tell. I already tell Eddie's not here. Of course, my water is on the wrong side this morning. Eddie's family emailed me and texted me and said some nice things about everything, you know, along the way. And uh, one of them said, you know, Eddie and Charlene, this is one of the daughters, they'd always told us what a wonderful church family this was that they were part of. And she said, now we have seen it and experienced it for ourselves. And I commend you all for that because it's a difficult time. Little Charlene's life has been, she's been plucked out of a life that she loved and now going north and a right thing to do. Going to have a lovely place to live up there. But it's hard. And I encourage you to continue to pray for Charlene in the home going of her man, Betty. Today is National Right to Life Day. There are thousands of folks up in the, the National Mall in D.C. today and been up there for two or three days of meetings. It's cold up there. Waverly uh, was really a pro-life activist and uh, she and my daughter Amy that lives in North Carolina who has 10 children now, I don't know how many children she had at that particular juncture, but Amy and Waverly and whoever she was nursing at the time went to that National Life uh, deal on, in January in D.C. Waverly is a Floridian. She said that was the coldest she'd ever been in her whole life. But uh, the little, one of the little girls whichever one it was, <laughs> lose track when there's 10, uh, was there, of course, with Amy, and she was still nursing her. And that little baby became the picture poster baby on their website during that particular event that year. Well, you got a handout. If you didn't get a handout, raise your hand up, and we'll put one in your hand there. Uh, Everybody got a handout? All right, seems like we're all good. And I just decided to take that. That's the first couple of pages of my outline and uh, thought it'd be good. Maybe you might want to take it with you home. But those two verses there, 514 of Romans and Hebrews 924, uh, give us an ex examples of two words that we're going to think about today. 5.14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that is to come. And then Hebrews 9.24, For Christ is not entered into the place, holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself not to appear in the process of God, a presence of God for us, excuse me. Take note of those two, as you see there, of those two phrases, the figure of him that was to come and the figures of the true. The singular figure in 924 is the word tapas. That's where we get tapas. And the plural figures in 924 Hebrews, antipas. And so the singular and the plural 
And that's the source of our word type and antitype, okay? And a type looks forward, and antitype is that which it looked forward to, okay? And uh, as it says there, it's been well said, the old is in the, uh, new is in the Old Testament concealed, and the old is in the New Testament revealed, and, and types and antitypes are a fascinating part of that. They really are. I, of course, was introduced to antitypes a long time ago, and Bible colleges and classes. It's always been intriguing to me. And they co types connect two or more historical persons or events by common characteristics. And the primary person, story, or event is a type, whereas the fulfillment is the antitype. The primary is the type, the fulfillment is the antitype. And when you go back and look at those two examples there, you see. Romans 5.14, that was a type. The Adam was a figure of him that was to come. But you look at 9.24, and it talks about the figures of the true. Christ has not entered into those man-made holy places, the antitypes that followed, but the holy of holies in heaven, etc., Donald K. Campbell, that Bibsack, that's their Dallas Theological Seminary's theological journal they publish every year. 1955, that's a great definition. Type is an Old Testament institution, event, person, object, or ceremony, which has reality and purpose. And of course, it's all we understand. The Word of God is literal. It says there's an Adam, and it says there's an Eve, and it says there's an Abraham and Isaac. They were real people in historical context. In biblical history, which also by divine design foreshadows something yet to be revealed. And then, of course, if that's the case, by divine design, they foreshadow something that's going to be revealed. Then they, a type has in its nature then something of a prophetic nature because it points to something that is going to ultimately fulfill it. And our text contains a true historical set of events in the lives of God's people in the Old Testament era. But it's filled with types. And that's what we're going to think about today as we examine the Old Testament narrative and then look to that which it points in the new. Uh, specifically, for example, Isaac is a type of Jesus. Now you understand what I'm saying, type, <laughs> a type points to something, right? So Isaac in the narrative points to Christ in the future. He was a son of promise, like Jesus was a son of promise. He had a miraculous conception. Hebrews chapter 11, 11 through 12, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Child of promise. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable, and was raised in type. And a miraculous birth. And Isaac was raised in type. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises directly related to Isaac, by the way, 
offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that an Isaac shall thy seed be called, a crowning that God was able to raise him up from the dead, from whence also he received him as a figure, as a type. Okay. Now in our text today, the types are Abraham, which represents God the Father, Isaac the son, the servant Eliezer, and his name means helper of God, Holy Spirit, and then Rebecca, the church. Let's read our text then. There's a lot of text here. You'll notice I've skipped uh, some verses here, and the reason for it is a it repeats the, the narrative explaining where he's explaining then to Laban the son, you know, what has transpired before Laban, got, you know, was involved at the well. Abram was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abram in all things. And Abram said unto his eldest servant in his house, that ruled over all his he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I live. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me into this land. Must I needs bring thy son again into the land from whence thou camest? Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord of God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me and that swear unto me, saying, <coughs> Unto thy seed will I give thee land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. The servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, swore to him concerning the matter. A servant took ten camels of the camels of the master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he rose and went to Mesopotamia, under the city of Nahor. <coughs> he made the camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water, at the time of the evening, when the time, even the time when women would come out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out of dry water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give the camels drink also. Let the, that's some kind of prayer request right there, by the way. Let the same be she that hath appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou showed kindness unto my master. It came to pass, before he had done speaking to the Lord, that behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. She went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. The servant ran to meet her and said, 
let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hasted, let down her pitcher upon her hand, gave him a drink. And when she had done giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran again to the well to draw water, drew for all his camels. And the man wondering, the man wondering at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. And it came to pass, as the animals had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two braces for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, <coughs> son of Milcah, whom she bare to, unto Nahor. She said moreover unto him, We have straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the dame still ran and told them of her house those things. And then we'll turn over to Verse 50, then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, after hearing this recounted, all this had happened, this thing proceeds from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be my, thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that <clears throat> when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother's precious things, and they did eat and drink. He and the men that were with him and tarried all night and rose up the next morning and said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that she may go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel and let inquire of her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of billions and let thy seed possess the gate of those that which hate them. Rebekah rose and her damsels. They rode upon the camels, followed the man, the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the well of the Horah, where he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the evening tide. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw the camels were coming. Rebekah lifted up her eyes when she saw Isaac she let it off, lighted off her camel because she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It's my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And the servant brought her into her mother's, his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. She became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after the death of his mother. Holy Father, I thank you and praise you for preserving this for us. What a treasure of truth 
happened in a bygone day, reflecting your covenant love for Abraham and all the descendants that would come. Lord, bless us this day as we seek to grasp these truths here certainly into our souls and saturate us, Lord, with the truth that it points to us in the reality of our life as a bride of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, first of all, there's the concern of the Father. Genesis 24, 3, go to my country. Don't get one here. Go to my country and get a bride for my son Isaac. Now, Abraham's homeland was northwest Mesopotamia. That's about 450 miles from where he was living in Canaan at the time. So it's quite a journey. The contrast there, real, which is the type, the concern of the father, bride for his son, that's a type. It reveals that God the Father is concerned that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, have a bride, which happens to be us as a portion of that bride, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 22, 2, Jesus answered and said unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which had a marriage for his son. And the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom I speak, longs for the bride. John 17, 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So the current concern of Father Abraham was that a bride be bought back for his son Isaac. The concern of the Father Almighty God is that a, his son have a bride and that's us that comprise the church, the bride of Christ. So that's the concern of the father. And then there's a commission of the servant. Genesis 15 too, by the way, gives us his name, Eleazar. He was from uh, uh, Damascus and Damascus was about 130 miles northeast of Jerusalem. But his name, as I mentioned, is, it means this, my God is help. And we see that played out in his life because he's a worshiper of God himself. He refers to his master often, Abraham, but every time an event happens, moving him along the way and following his master's charge to him, he sees God's provision and he worships along the way. So he, my God is help. That also points to another fact. Another type, another aspect of the type, I guess you should say. John 15, 26, Eleazar, the servant, as a type, represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent by the Father to testify of the Son, to seek a bride for the Son. Eleazar was sent by his master, Isaac's father, to testify his son, to bring back a bride for his son. So you see Eleazar as a type of the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26, when the comfort is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. Not too long after I was saved, 
There was a lady in the hometown where I grew up. She and her daughter had gotten off into one of these charismatic, really charismatic deals, and they going up to Fort Worth all the time. That's where it was all happening up there. And I was visiting in one of the homes down there, and I had, some of my buds were there, and I'd been sharing my faith in Christ and what had happened to me. And she said later, after that, on that particular day, she said, you know, if we could get you as excited about the Holy Spirit as you are about Jesus, and she went on, da 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 That's upside down. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus, and you are going to be excited about Jesus and not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a wonderful comforter, a wonderful counselor. I praise God for his companionship. And only the Lord knows how much trouble he's kept me out of. Cautioning me and moving me and directing me and rebuking me and all of this other stuff through the word of God. But he is not to be magnified above the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's the choice of the bride. First the servant asked for a sign. This is an incredible thing he prayed. I can't imagine him praying this whole thing. Came to, let it come to pass, 2414 that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down my pitcher, I pray thee that I may drink. And she say, drink, and I'm, okay, I'm all right with that. But he goes on to say, and then let her see, say that she'll give my camels a drink also. What? A little lady? Water all these camels? Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And therefore shall I know that the master has shown kindness, that has shown kindness unto my master. You know, I read that a camel can drink, a thirsty camel can drink 25 to 29 gallons of water in 10 minutes. And he had 10 camels. Now, I don't know what these guys that were traveling with him were doing. I know what, I, what uh, Eliezer was doing. He's standing there in amazement watching this little maid hustle this water to the trough. That's what happened because that's what he asked for. God answered the prayer that way. While he was still praying, here came Rebecca with a picture on her shoulder. Just going through life, just doing her daily chores, Completely unaware that she was chosen by God to be the bride of Isaac. Not a clue. Pierced on the shoulder, going to get water, like she did every single day since she'd been old enough to do that for the Father's household. Ephesians 1 4 speaks of us as a member of the church, the bride of Christ, is this chosen before we were aware. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we were going along in life, living life day by day, doing what we had to do, trying to get out of what we didn't want to do, never realizing that we'd been chosen by God before the foundation of the earth. And I didn't know that until I was 28 years, almost 28 years of age. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. 
So there is a concern of the father, a commission of the son, a servant, and the choice of the bride. Now there's the courtship of the servant. So we got to this little gal back to Isaac. And he was her convincer. And he did a good job because we see from the narrative, she said, I will go with this man. Her parents said, her mama said, her brother said, let her stay another 10 days. She said, I'll go now. I'll go with this man. Genesis 24, 58, they called Rebecca. Yes, I'll go. John 6, 45, it is written in the prophets that they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that have heard and have learned of the Father cometh to me. That's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Eliezer was her convincer. He is a type of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our convincer. And when we're taught of God about the Son, we come to him, the Son, as his bride, just like she was going to be the bride of Isaac, the Son. She was chosen before time. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? Chosen before time. This little bride-to-be, doing her own thing, according to the way the household ran, go get the water, it's in the evening time. She was chosen before time, before she was born, to be the bride of Isaac. And we were chosen before time to come to Jesus in time as well. She did and we did. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Eliezer, his ministry, typified in regard to us. Rebecca left all she, all she knew of life to follow a groom she'd never seen. Isn't it something? To go to a country where she'd never been, to marry a groom that she had never seen. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we follow the Spirit leading us to a Savior we've never seen. 1 Peter 1.8, whom having not seen we love, in whom though we see him not now, yet believing we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've never seen him, but we love him. And we surrender our lives to him. We turn our back on what was life, and we follow this Christ whom we've never laid eyes on yet. She did exactly the same thing under the direction of her convincer, the servant. Remember I told you when we're studying through 1 John's the first part, and we're going to get back to that one of these days and finish it up, that the Holy Spirit, the word parakletos and words are translated into the English comforter could also be translated counselor. He's our counselor. He's our comforter. Well, this servant was her counselor, but he's her comforter, certainly, but also her counselor. And he encouraged her. She went with him to go see this man that she's going to marry when she saw him. Because the servant 
was there speaking to her about him. How did you come to Christ? Same way. It's no different, is it? She was listening to this servant, her counselor, speaking about this son whom she's never seen. And here you are, listening to the Holy Spirit about a Savior you've never seen. She went to Isaac. You came to Christ. Same thing. And he was her comforter and her counselor all along that 450-mile trek. I don't know if you've ever been in some of that area over there, but boy, some of that stuff is really barren. <laughs> Ten camels, 450 miles. Just imagine, just think about it. Try to get into the mind of this young woman and think about what she was thinking about going along on that camel. All the questions that would come to her mind. Likewise, the Holy Spirit. Here we are riding along in life, and questions come up, and challenges come up, and the Holy Spirit, our counselor, our comforter, is guiding us along the way too. John 16, howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for she'll not speak of himself. Whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, receive of mine, show it unto you, all things that the Father hath are mine. That's what it said about Isaac. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine, Jesus is speaking, and show it unto you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He was her counselor. He was her comforter over a long 450-mile trek camelback. And here we are. We don't know how long the trek is, but sometimes it's arduous. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes life's difficult. Sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes we're depressed. Sometimes we're worn out. But <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't wear out. And the Holy Spirit doesn't stay quiet. He'll nudge us, and he'll budge us, and he'll correct us, and he'll speak to us, and he'll comfort us. Even when we're broken, and it hurts so bad we can't stand it. There he is. There he is. I've learned a lot about the comfort of the Holy Spirit in the last years. Whew. Glory to God. It's, this guy shows up with 10 camels, you know, and th that was a testimony of great wealth. And she was frightened, I'm sure, homesick at times. All along the way, he was comforting her. You know, in the beginning at the well, they gave her a gold earring and two bracelets. That earring was about a fifth ounce of gold. The bracelet's about four ounces. That's some, some money involved there. They gave you some more jewels and silver and so forth, to also to her mother and brother. Can you imagine, though, all this stuff? And it started off well, but now we're in day five of the journey. 
And man, I'm homesick. I miss my mother. I miss my brother. I miss my daddy. And I'm tired of riding this camel. So what did he do? He'd tell her some more about Isaac. Maybe he'd pull out of the bag some more of those precious things and say, here, darling, Isaac wanted you to have this. You ever had an experience like that with the Holy Spirit? Where you are just down to your wit's end and the Holy Spirit just drops something into your soul and it changes the whole perspective of the day. Have you ever had that experience? If you haven't, you should. But I want to warn you, you've got to get on to your nothings before you have that experience where the Holy Spirit just embraces your soul and pulls you up. Say, here, (laughs) you're on the right track. Jesus is your Savior. Let's keep going. Same thing he did for her, the Holy Spirit does for us all the way this long journey to our heavenly home. And then there's the coming of the groom, Genesis 24, 63. Isaac went out to meditate, to pray in the field at evening time. He lifted up his eyes and he saw the camels coming. Now, this is the first time we've seen Isaac since he was raised up as a type, right, after Mount Moriah. And he went out to meet Rebekah when he saw the camels. The first time we will see the Savior after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, the very first time when we see that Savior again when he comes in the clouds to receive us as his bride to take us home. Perfect type. Pointing to the antitype that's yet to come when the Lord Jesus comes for us. <laughs> for the Lord Himself, first Thess 16. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I don't know what you got planned on money, Monday, but I'd rather it be this. <laughs> what a day that's going to be. What an experience it's going to be when we're caught up to meet the Lord and see Him that we've loved and trusted and surrendered our lives to for the very first time in our lives. And the scripture says, we'll ever, forever and ever be with him, our groom. Rebecca sees the groom is standing in the field. She gets off her camel, verses 64 and 65, because she has asked the servant, Eleazar, her counselor, her comforter, who is this man? He said, it's my master. (laughs) It's my master. I don't want the trump of God, the shout of the archangel is going to say. Maybe the archangel is going to say, here's your master. I don't know what he'll say. It's going to be someday, though, I'll tell you. And at last, the consummation of the marriage. Isn't that beautiful there? You read over there. And 
that last section there. Oh, that verse. Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebecca. She became his wife. He loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The work of the father. The father of Abraham, the father. Sovereign in purpose. Relentlessly fulfilling the covenant that he had made. The son that had been willing, that Abraham had been willing to sacrifice, raised as a type that Abraham knew when he told his servant, don't get a wife here. This God whom I serve, who gave me this promise, is going to bring a bride. He knew it by faith. Isaiah, your goal now is to be the best welder you can be. And one of these days, you're going to need a really great godly wife. In the meantime, don't you worry about the wife. You just worry about becoming the best welder God can make you to be. And son, I want to tell you something. On the authority of the word of God, I'm going to tell you that in the fullness of God's time, he'll bring her to you. I know this. This is what this Bible says. I know it experientially. I was standing by, behind a parts counter working at night while I was going to Bible college at daytime, and the most beautiful woman I ever saw in my life walked up right in front of me, nose to nose, and I lived 43 years of my life with her. God will bring you a wife. He'll do it. He knows where his children are. He knows what his eternal purposes are for his children. And he knows who he wants us to be linked with as our life mates. Because we're the bride of Christ and we're to fulfill his purposes in our lifetime for the glory of the Father, for the glory of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, Abraham's experience here was not unlike Ruth because not one time is there a word from God, there's no miracle, there's no prophetic announcement, there's nothing just an unfolding of the events. But God, the sovereign father, is behind sovereignly ruling and directing everything to his chosen end. And it happened, just like God the father planned that it would be. And his methodology has not changed. He's sovereignly working in your life and mine right now. You may not feel it. You may not understand it. It may be five years from now before you realize what he did yesterday. But God is working in your life. And in my life, because he that gave his own son for us has freely given us all things in Christ Jesus, everything that plays the life to godliness. We're going to get home to glory. We're going to see the son and be with him forever because that's the eternal purpose of God. Man, can you imagine Eleazar? <laughs> it goes back to Abraham. Boss, master, we had a great trip. Can't you just hear old Abraham said, yeah, but did you bring back the bride? That's all he wanted to hear about. Did you bring back the bride? And you know what I believe? I believe that churches someday may be asked the question. How was it? Oh, we had great worship experiences, but God said, what did you bring back the bride? What did you do about the bride? 
We built great buildings to worship him. What about the bride? Great programs. What about the bride? And ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, everything that we are as the church of Jesus Christ, named Grace Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, has to do with this, being the bride and gathering the bride for the Son of God Almighty Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. That's our purpose. That's our mission. And if God didn't have a purpose and mission for us, he'd have killed us when he saved us. That makes sense? Why suck wind on his planet if we're useless to God? But we have a purpose and a mission. So everything we think about and everything we do ought to be related to that. Being the bride that brings glory to our groom and then being useful in his hand to add to the number. God, give us grace to do that. God, give us grace. Lord, God, give us grace to fill your holy calling individually and collectively, Lord, all the way home. May our lives be a witness and a praise unto your holy name until you come for us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.